Hello, everyone. Episode one, boys. Welcome to the first episode of Flower Than Podcast, where we shall be streaming, playing games, talking about media, games, uh, movies, music, etc. Literally everything. Um, I'm Eric. I'm joined here with Chris and Chris. Hello. Uh oh. Or there we go. <laughs> Competence, coherent discussion, good equipment management. If you expect any of these, you will be disappointed. That's what makes it a good podcast, right? Yeah, it makes it more real, right? But hey, let's get into <laughs> the first conversation. Um, so Chris brought up the idea that um, using a mouse on console gaming is cheating. And or I actually, it, no, it, it's the debate of whether or not it's cheating because a friend and I had varying opinions on it last night and I thought like, it would be very interesting. He's like, I didn't even know you could do that. Okay, well, see, now here's here's what makes it an, a weird, you know, potentially divisive issue is that they're... Okay, so when you buy a controller, like just a console controller, not a trick question, like your Sony PS4... Microsoft Xbox One, you know, it's an official controller. And then you have your your third-party licensed ones, you know, like your Rock Candies, your Hori Pads, you know, things like that. Um, now, w- would you agree that the assumption is that those would be fair play in any sort of competitive environment, considering they're licensed? Yeah, definitely. I would okay. argue they would be standardized depending on the format of the game and genre. You mean the like the third-party controllers. Yes. For instance, there is... I don't think there's any officially licensed Microsoft fight stick for those sort of 2D and 3D fighting games. Right, that's and actually one that comes expected. to mind for me as well, because I'm, I'm into fighters. So, yeah, but, you think of the Mad Cat sticks and whatnot. Yeah, but there is at least one Sony official, if I'm not mistaken, courtesy of the Street Fighter V exclusivity. I could be yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that might be, like, um, another Mad Cat stick. I, I didn't own it. Friends of mine have. Um, but, okay, so we're in the same general agreement, though, that, like, if it's licensed, you're it good. Be, yeah, good to go. Correct. Now, the issue is I'm pretty sure that the converters, like the Cronus, the Brooks, you know, the things that they plug into your console via USB, and uh, they let you use either game pads from other consoles, or they let you use um, keyboard mouse. And my friend was arguing that it is not cheating because it's a one-to-one representation of the controls on a, you know, on a gamepad. You're just remapping it to a different format. And I argued that while I, you know, at the heart of the argument, I want to agree with him. Mouse aiming is just, it's a precision that you can't do with just the thumbstick. But I don't have any official, like, physical research on that but after using both and growing up playing console my whole life until i was in my 20s uh i still like i just feel the difference on a mouse dude i'm on the same boat with you like um recent like i used to be a full console gamer and like i was like oh yeah what's the point like this is the best this is the pinnacle of everything with this controller then i started doing pc gaming and like i didn't really feel a change but when i went back to like console gaming I really felt the difference that, like, hey, it's really hard to aim with a stick. Right. And even though it is technically just 
mapping what would be on a pad on a mouse, I mean, you, while I don't have the physical research to say whether or not it's objectively a more precise method of aiming, you also have to look at how things are balanced. Um, Overwatch on console, Torbjorn was balanced. I mean, this is old, old news. Like, I don't know how relevant this is now, but he was balanced against the fact that they couldn't aim against his turrets, you know, because it, the turrets were basically, you know, they're auto aiming. That's aim kind bots, of the whole yeah. point. Yeah, they're aimbots. And, you know, console players were like, this is ridiculous. I can't keep up. While it, it, on PC, people were like, what's the big deal? You just take out the turret <laughs> because they had this much more precision with their aiming. So even if it is a one to one representation, you run the risk of balancing their game around it being on a console. Therefore, you're kind of cheating if you're not using that like that uh, control setup. I think it's like widely accepted at this point that the mouse is way better for like FPSs that like you right. do get that precision that you need to get those headshots. And, and um, people who have been found to use converters have been banned online. Um, really? And yeah, I, they handle them in the same vein. You know, people buy those like the macro controllers with like the yeah. undetectable chips in them. Um, I, I feel that they're handled in a very similar way, even though instead of literally auto controlling the game for you, like a lot of macros do, you're literally just using a mouse. And it's obviously the keyboard is not what is the issue here. The keyboard is fine. It's just buttons. Um, you know, the thing that people are concerned about is, does this person have an unfair aiming advantage? Um, I, uh, I would say it's cheating to use a mouse on the uh, console. How do you feel, Chris? I mean, not Chris, uh, Ferox. <laughs> this is not going to get confusing at all. Uh, <laughs> I do not have any statistical studies at hand. However, I will argue for the fact that there is a quantifiable difference. Right. And it's in just a matter of there being the preference or platform differences in terms of balance. This is a matter of I'll use uh, Xbox One and Steam on PC as an example. On Steam, I recently okay. acquired a Steam controller. The Steam okay. controller has one of, if not the most precise right analog functions I've ever seen on a controller. To a fault, actually. I own one as well, and I find it, like, actually uncomfortably sensitive. I really yeah, want to try that. <laughs> Whereas on console, you would expect some degree of aim assist or even just a matter of, I guess, skipped frames, for lack of a better word, where it will overlook certain inputs if they are extraneous. The idea of cutting out redundant functions. Right. As on PC, it's still set up with the mouse mentality in mind, whereby every frame is necessary. You are going to be precise at all times. Yeah, and I think that's the real issue here is that like... I'd have to ask my friend again because he has um, he, he dabbled in the converter lifestyle because he played Destiny on Xbox because all of his friends played it on Xbox and you know there wasn't a PC release of the first Destiny but he really wanted to play it so he had an Xbox and he bought a Cronus and he used his gaming keyboard and his gaming mouse and it worked very well for him um, but you know that's not as gray area because you're not competing as much in that game unless you're a you know a professional raider. Um, well, I mean, Destiny does have PvP modes. Oh, so. well, okay. In his case, I'm sorry, I should have said he he did raiding and like co-op. But you're right, he could have he could have PvP'd. Um, he also though 
without telling anybody like in the in the public game he had played halo with it and people were like suspicious that he was doing something not they didn't necessarily all say cheating but they were suspicious of his reactions um and his his argument was that well you know it's emulating a gamepad one-to-one but it, it you know it's funny that you said what you did about the you know extraneous inputs because that's exactly what i said to him was like yeah but the mouse is detecting you know precise moments that you're moving your character that the gamepad would render as like just extra data and not really worry about it um and i think that is the issue yeah like even like max sensitivity if you play with that it's still like really hard to get like the right movements like it's it's, it feels a little archaic on a controller compared to the mouse. Right. And here's another comparison while we still have the Steam controller fresh in mind. Yeah, For yeah. For my Xbox One, I do not have a standard Xbox controller. I only have Xbox One Elite controllers. And I've used That's Xbox a very One good controllers point. at my friends' houses. And these are both licensed products. They are mm-hmm. both pack-ins with the console, depending on which version you get. Mm-hmm. And... The fact is that the Xbox One Elite controller has additional paddles on the back. It has additional functions which you can't map to a regular controller. Right. And while this may not be analogous to the mouse discussion because you can swap in the right analog sticks for ones of different length, the fact of course. is that the advantage there is more in terms of face button access. So wait, are you telling me this is a IRL version of pay to win? Mm, not quite, well, because still it's still... See, but... <laughs> It still comes down to basically what's comfortable for you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that if you put an equally skilled player... Like, okay, if if you look at a fighting game, right? Um, There have been Evo winners who have used gamepads, or at least, you know, strong contenders. Um, Now, objectively, in my opinion, you have better access to the, the punch and kick buttons on a fight stick. But that didn't stop people from just feeling comfortable on pad because the thing is you're not giving anybody on a fight stick something that pad players do not have you have functionally the same buttons that register the same binary inputs of either not pressed or pressed Things like that's that can- the issue with fps is is that it's a matter of um degrees of movement instead of just did you look up yes or no See, like, when it comes to, like, fighting games, I actually feel a lot more comfortable on the keyboard because uh, I used to play a lot of Mugen back in the day. Oh, okay. So, like, I grew up playing that for, like, three years straight, making playing with, like, all the different characters, and, like, they had, like, the core circle of combos. They had, like, all the combos from different games. Oh, of course, because they're all, you know, they're, they're ripped fighters from other games, and, yeah, you can change the move list, but chances are Ryu is still going to have a quarter circle forward Hadouken. Like, yeah. So like, but I, they I also are that. oriented in a matter of directional movement and that's more difficult to execute with analog sticks for a regular gamepad. Versus, but it also, uh, you, you, you hit the nail on the head though, it's eight directions, not the infinite directions that, you know, a keyboard mouse or, you know, free look on a right stick will offer you. And that that's where the issue comes in on quote unquote, you know, is it cheating? Because if you're using, you know, if somebody wants to use a goddamn power glove to fight <laughs> me, if it has enough buttons, he's not at a disadvantage if he feels comfortable with it. 
Dude, someone hacked, made his own like power glove to play as Doomfist in uh, Overwatch. Oh yes. my god, how did I not see that? I, I need to see that this. The day it was announced, I <laughs> called it. It was amazing. I mean, if we have somebody who can play Wasting with bananas, somebody's gonna play Doomfist with a power glove. Oh yeah, the banana dude, that was awesome. I didn't see that um, one. Yeah, no, he, he maps like uh, little like like button sensors on uh, like inside a banana, so if he taps the banana, it's a button. That's amazing. Um, yeah. But uh, and, and it was I, bananas. I'm, I'm leaving the chat. Uh, <laughs> uh, and one of the things I, I find very interesting about this argument about you know FPS is it's a one-way street. Uh, if you're on PC and you decide to use a gamepad, do your thing, man. Like whatever. Like you're comfortable. You're comfortable. Um, have you guys seen Actually, a Widowmaker player by the name of Bambi? I haven't. She is very good. She is very, very good. And she plays on console. And yeah, like she did the whole dabbling in PC thing. I think she recently built a PC with possibly the intent to continue playing on it. But, uh, you know, I would argue that she would stomp a lot of con of uh, PC players, even if she played on PC with her PS4 gamepad. Um, I have a friend who was a very good tracer. I don't know how he would rank. I forget how he did in competitive. Bob line though i was more than happy to have him on my team he was more than an asset and he used depending on his mood i think it was an xbox 360 controller or a switch controller joy con uh and he stomped as tracer on a pc platform where i'm guaranteed all other 11 people in that overwatch match with us were using keyboard mouse so you know can you overcome the limitation sure you know you, you just have to be comfortable with it but you are kind of starting from a lower point with a right joystick and you know while i understand my that one friend of mine saying oh it's not cheating it's just one-to-one -one, i think there's just advantages you can't ignore oh my god i'm out of ammo but um you just can't ignore that like it is more inherently different than just playing on a different set of buttons like with a fighter or a platformer Actually, i agree with you i think it may be uh, down to the fact that, or up to the fact, that there's different skill ceilings available for them. Yes. While the top console player or top gamepad player might be able to beat out the average PC player, the average PC player is going to have a greater amount of precision courtesy of mouse. And actually, right, like, and you know, it, this is where the giving of, oh, they're both of equal skill comes into play. I, Eric, you can continue. I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, first thing, hey, Chris, can you send me an invite? <laughs> I mean, Ferox, he sent me an invite to the game. I've been chilling on the mat on the home screen for like twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and second of all, um, not all games actually are better with mouse and keyboard because, like, I remember when Enter the Gungeon came out, everyone was playing with mouse and keyboard, but then like people who were really good were playing with the controller. And I even think like Northern Lion went to controller afterwards after he got like he did. He did switch to controller. Uh, do you know if what Austin uses? Because he's he's like a, a, in the NL crew. He's the Gungeon guy, you know. He is. Austin's just good at games in general, though. Well, yeah, that's kind of his shtick in the group. He's he's the one who's good at games. Um, no, but like, uh, it's it's funny you bring up Gungeon though because I think it's like abysmal on controller for me. Really, I am terrible at that game on controller unless I use aim assist, and I don't like using aim assist. I just I don't know, man. It, it rubs me the wrong way. Um, and, you know, a, a, another friend of mine who will probably 
like join us at some point like on one of these episodes he, he he's got good opinions strong opinions and isn't a dick about them so i'm sure we'll be hearing from him uh hang on how's but, he not blinded if he's not a dick oh that's a good point this is louder then but uh wait wait what's what's uh what's the password the password is bananas capital b-n-a-n-a-s but uh no so like we we were talking about uh have, have you guys seen that game monolith by any chance i have not it no. is it's a roguelike shmup so think isaac meets like gradius or like dodonpachi or something like that um great game i have a lot of love for it um i play it with keyboard and mouse my friend pete plays it with a gamepad and he was like, just try gamepad. Trust me. Like, you might like it better. You know, not trying to convert me. Just like, I asked him, I'm like, I, I don't know how you do it. Like, I need that mouse aim. And he was like, just trust me. You know, give it a shot. Who knows? Um, I tried it on gamepad. And while it wasn't, it, it didn't feel better. I did pretty well compared to my keyboard and mouse play. But, you know, that just, again, it that's a genre where it could be up to preference because you it's eight directions basically you know you have a little freedom with the aiming uh, if you want to be a stickler about it but you're on a 2d plane versus a three-dimensional one see like i actually now that you said uh sorry back going back to the gungeon now that it, you're saying it uh i actually think i did like the controller more because i did play it for a while and it's like I, I think the controller felt more natural to me no, out of curiosity, did you use um did you use the aim assist? I'm dead. Um don't think so. I actually. never saw you join the world. I'm sorry for interrupting. I'm just trying to figure out where you are. <laughs> oh, it's near the dungeon. Oh, you spawned all the way over there. Just destroy the bed and use the mirror. We'll spawn back in the center of the world. Cool beans. But yeah, um what was the question? Um did you use uh did you have aim assist enabled for the controller? Before um, you answer, know that it is enabled by default if you use a gamepad, I'm pretty sure. Then probably yes. Okay. Now, you see, I don't, I'm of two minds about it. Uh, I'm, you know, on one... I'm a plebe. It, <laughs> yeah, on one hand, I think you're a loser. No, but, uh, no, like, with single-player games, you know, multiplayer games, unfortunately, the community often ends up dictating some form of... What's progress better. in in, yeah. in the yeah what what's better and whatnot but um on single player games i i'm kind of down to usually start however the dev intends it so i play on normal not because i, I love a challenge i play tons of hard games but i want to see what the developer considers this is how i made my game you know what i mean yeah now that being said i don't know if i feel like aim assist was cheating for me because usually i hate things like but if it's on by default for gamepad, you know, was that intended by the dev? Um, I feel like and, it you know, gave me a little bit be, of cognitive right? dissonance. Yeah, you would think, like, it, it, like yeah, okay, like, oh, we're man, making up for the precision. But like, and, you know, it's still a tough game. It doesn't auto-win the game for you by any means. But, like, what do you lose from doing that? Like, you lose your pride, and that's it. But, like... But the thing is, I it's... It's not even a pride thing for me personally. Like, I don't care. It's a single-player game. If I'm not cheating in a in a multiplayer game, that's one thing. But even if you want to cheat and have fun in a single-player game, as long as you're not bragging that you're good, like, no, you cheated. If you're fine with cheating, then yeah. have fun. I don't care. 
Um, but, you know, I like to play games to conquer the challenge they present. So if I'm not truly conquering the challenge by using aim assist, I feel like I'm cheating myself. Mm. Not not the game, not my pride, but I'm cheating my own enjoyment of the game. And that's what I worry about. Um, so like, there are some games that I like to play that are like super hard, like Serious Sam was one of them. It's right. Like, it's just a fun game to die in, which is a weird yeah. concept. Whether you're good or bad, it's it's just fun. Like, yeah. doesn't really matter. Like, oh, you died, whatever. It's like the suicide bombers were chasing you. Yeah. But, like, like uh, with Gungeon, like I, like I said, in games like it, I don't want to cheat myself out of the true challenge that the game is supposed to present. And, you know, again, in single-player games, that's partially up to the player. Um, but... You know, I just I do find it interesting that, you know, it, it really does come down to the genre, whether or not the keyboard mouse is this ultimate God control scheme or if it's just, you know, like anything else. Do you want to use it or not? Yeah, like uh, nine times out of ten, I'll go without the controller. But that's mostly because at this point I'm playing on the Mac and it's just a pain in the ass to get it to work. <laughs> <laughs> You know, this is pain for everything on Mac, but hey, whatever. I mean, pretty much. I, I, I'm i not even trying to, like, dump on Mac. I, I am a PC guy, but I, I relatively enjoy having a MacBook. But let me tell you, I've had to jump through some hoops to make that thing portably viable. Dude, you don't know how, like, like the struggles it was to get OBS to work on here. Oh, dude, I've, I've streamed, like, once on my MacBook, and I'm like, uh, theoretically, never again. Yeah, you're like, oh, audio doesn't work, um, it doesn't capture the game right. Yeah. It's just, it's not worth it. But, um, but yeah, so I, I can see why you tend to stray away from it, but you know, I, I I'm, I'm, it really comes down to, you know, as far as preference goes, it depends on the game for me. I always have Xbox controllers nearby. I'm always looking for, I mean, I also, i I, for my whole life, you know, since I was a kid, I've liked different weird controllers. So, like, mini game pads, I buy them. Uh, you know, weird-shaped game pads, I buy them. I was at a flea market uh, this weekend with Taylor, and we got um, this PS2 controller that does not have sticks. It has little trackball nubs. That's so But weird. not like the PSP ones. Yeah, it's it's like they're literally, like, spherical rubber, like like, little domes that you move with your thumb and it's it's really cool like is i love stuff like, like a, that is that like official or is that like a mod no no it's a third-party controller for okay, sure okay i was gonna say um, like i yeah i've yeah, never like, seen sony do something like that um, like wow i think i've heard of that one yeah i'll, I'll send you pictures after we're uh, done streaming all right cool but um but yeah it, like i love controllers i think that game pads are really important to gaming Sometimes, um, I'm actually so, you know, have fight pads. Oh, dude, fight sticks. Okay, let me tell you something. I, I grew up in arcades, and you know when I learned that. I mean, this is something that'll probably come up a million times because it's such a big deal to me. Like when I learned you can just buy Japanese arcade parts. What? Like, you my have? newest hobby in the past two years... Oh, dude, yeah. You can, um... The, the big thing to do is to buy, like, you know, a cheap Mad Cat stick that has support for Sanwa parts. Because they usually come with cheap ones, you know, that are clones or just inexpensive versions. Mm -hmm. And they're just plug-and-play. They're literally just two 
uh, connectors, button connectors. And all I do is pop open the bottom of my stick. Uh, you get the buttons out with a little, uh, there's like little pins that click in. And you just literally plug the new button in. I've I've built fight sticks from scratch using that method. That's really um, cool. Yeah, it's, let me tell you, it's an intense process. I was lucky enough to have a, uh, a college-level makerspace and an engineer friend to help. I feel like but, that's... Yeah, we designed and built prototypes. I feel like it's something you would be really into, Ferox. Dude, it's, it's a blast. I've always been curious about the... Uh, I guess customization element. Mm-hmm. People are talking about how they are able to build their controllers back from the ground up, so that they don't buy the macros and all that jazz. They're actually able to make it themselves. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk. We'll we'll talk. I have a lot to tell <laughs> you, man. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. I thought I you know branching off into the uh, this little side discussion on alternate control schemes. You know, growing up, I played all these games that were you know arcade games whether they were shmups or fighters or you know beat-em-ups action arcade games and you know i loved playing the home versions on you know whatever console i was playing on at the time but man growing up you know as a tech savvy adult now and learning that man i can customize these arcade sticks and like you know i can play arcade perfect yeah dude it really is it opens up this whole new like like realm and it, it's really arcade sticks are one of those things like keyboard mouse you just can't replace it yeah, for like that'd be certain like a really applications cool, like stream to do just like making a loud podcast like joystick dude i i would be down for that if i could get the equipment together um you, you know what the hardest house. part is the housing it's the housing it's all the housing <laughs> um mm. because the the buttons and stuff everything is dirt cheap except for the housing you can get a pcb I mean, granted, it won't work on PS4 or Xbox One, but I don't own an Xbox One, and I barely play on PS4. So I can get uh, the Toodles Cthulhu board for, like, 30 bucks, and it literally can support anything from the NES up um, if you make a cable for it. And I can get that for 30 The uh, Salma buttons, dude, they're $2 a piece. Wow. Unless you want, like, the really fancy stuff. How $2 is a piece. How Go ahead. casing? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get to why that's the pain in the ass. Okay. Um, uh, uh, the stick is the second most expensive part. If I had to, you know, go off the top of my head, somebody listening to this might just want to crucify me. Um, <laughs> but a, a, a joystick like on the PCB is like 20, 25 bucks. If you get like a nice son where I met um, and then the ball top or the bat top for it is like another like $4. Um, and that's the other cool thing is once I have the actual joystick in, I dude, I switch all the time depending on what I feel like playing. If I'm playing a shmup, I might switch to like a ball top. If I'm playing a certain fighter that I grew up playing on bat top and I'm just used to it, I'll switch to a bat top. You can just unscrew it. It's just a piece of plastic and metal. The housing is the issue because that's what's protecting everything. Mm-hmm. And you want... You know, you want something nice. So, yeah, I could build a li- one of my prototypes was literally a box that we screwed the PCB into. Um, and then to get fancy, we had Plexi on top that my friend was able to use a laser machine to engrave designs into. Wow, that's um, cool. Yeah, yeah. And we, we made like 
you know, custom names. We we put waifus on it. We did you know the whole nine <laughs> yards. It was it was great. But like uh, you know, that was cool, but it lacked a lot of the finesse, you know, that if you ever look at the inside of a fight stick, you know, they have all like the, 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 the support pegs for the plastic and it's routed so perfectly. Mm. And, you know, Not even to just diminish the popular fighting sticks, but they're basically heavy load bearing shelves. No, 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 that... you're, you're not diminishing them at all. Like it's a really simple thing. You put a board in that detects eight directions, like eight face buttons and a start select button. And then you put it in a box. Yeah, and if you've ever seen somebody lose it at Evo with one of those things, they can take a beating. <laughs> Dude, and they can beat other people. Not that you should, but let me tell you, you gotta be careful with those things. Yeah, the fight stick <laughs> is multi-purpose. It is not poorly named. <laughs> yeah, it fights for you and has a stick on it. Uh, <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you want this to be made out of you know, well-made materials. I saw a guy in, in an Evo interview who made his stick out of a postal service flat rate box. Like it can be done, but if you want some, if you want to look nice and fancy, you know, acrylic ain't cheap and you know, you can make it out of wood, but then you, you know, there's the know-how of sitting there and, you know, routing the wood to the shape you want and sanding it. And, um, uh, what's the word? I'm looking for finishing it, finishing it uh, with like a nice stain or painting it properly. It, there, it's a lot of variables. And that's why the housing is tree parody of Mortal Kombat. I'm just thinking of it now. <laughs> All this talk of finishing the fight stick. Uh, I'm trying to think like, like you would have like a cabal, but instead of having the hook swords, he would have like Sanders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have Send a scorpion it. cooking show. We can get everything else in carpentry. Just Wait, instead of tool top. Yeah, cook, you, you never saw Cooking with Scorpion? No. Oh, man, in uh, Deadly Alliance, you know how they have, like, the crypt system where you unlock, like, concept art and shit? Yeah. Yeah, the, the crypt system started, I think, in Deadly Alliance, or around that time. And one of the things you could unlock was a little, like, live-action short Cooking with Scorpion. I'll, I'll, I'll link it to you. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, no, as far as alternative controls go, I, I have a lot of love for game pads and a lot of love for fight sticks and just like dude controlling your game is like uh -huh. it's 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 the gateway to you know how you're gonna experience it it it's got to be appropriate it's got to be comfortable yeah definitely so, um mm. but yeah so i i think it's about time for us to switch segments but I think that it's a good note to end off on instead of yelling about, oh, just fucking get used to keyboards, nerds. You plebs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It went from, uh, is it cheating to, hey, we should all get, like, fight sticks. Yo, get Overwatch uh, Grandmaster Top 500 with a, uh, with a Mad Cats Tournament <laughs> Pro. All right. Don't step towards me unless you have that. <laughs> um... So yeah, should we talk about it? What about it? What was the subject? We're, no, we're, we're the not. We, I am not fucking letting this show devolve into who's on first. <laughs> we're not doing that. We're not doing it. Especially on episode one. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like at least save that for like four or five once we've hooked people in enough to fool them. Um, yeah, then we can rip off shows that are older than all of us age combined. Yeah, exactly. However, Abigail is probably like my favorite like duo. I mean, that's they're a valid choice. Who's on first is a classic. Mm -hmm. Except when it, it it's a, you know, what do you mean we're talking about it? What's it? <laughs> um, 
Also, full disclosure, before we start, and I think all of us should kind of uh, throw, throw our experience in, I have seen the most recent movie, the 2017. I saw the first half of the... 1994 whatever the year it was um the, the first the mini series i saw the first half and i am about 20 percent through the book right now so take that as you will and there will be spoilers in this conversation all right so i see not i haven't read the book but i know what goes on okay. in the book um you, yeah I, I also i know more about the book than i've read but I'm only personally read twenty percent. I already, I know about the really messed up part. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 keep this a, a PG thirteen yeah. stream and say it's a very sexually violating act. Is uh why would you ever do that Stephen King moment? Yeah, I like to title that section the Stephen King may or may not, but in all likelihood still was still on cocaine portion. <laughs> Probably still is. Um. Um. So yeah, so you 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 know the book. I've seen the original but a long time ago, and I saw the recent version. Okay. And I was originally exposed to it via the television miniseries. I okay. read the book, but I have forgotten that along with a lot of other Stephen King writing. So I, I'm I sure that it'll come back to you once we start talking I mean, about it. So the fact that you have read it. But, uh, <laughs> other than that. Uh, I saw the most recent movie, and I guess that's about it. Okay, so we're all pretty familiar with all of the the, the material, the source material, the two movies. Like we we pretty much like we got this. Yes. Um. I okay. The order I did was I saw the new movie, being a, somewhat aware but not very educated on the original source material. Then I started reading the book. And then I saw the miniseries first half, and I gotta say, I think the new movie is the better adaptation so far, and it's only been part one. Like, so, like, it's it's really good. I liked it a lot. But, like, my biggest problem was, is, like, I loved Penny, hearing Pennywise talk, Penny talk in that movie. Like, I loved the way he was doing everything. But, um, he didn't talk enough, I think. He, it was, he focused too much on the jump scares. I see. Also, I didn't um, think it was a very jump scary movie. It had them, but I and I hate jump scares. I think they're cheap and they're not like they're not interesting. Um, you don't get me. Oh yeah, haha! Like you scared you? Like no, you jumped at spooky me. Spooky scary. Yeah, spooky scary. I get it. You jumped. Um, I scared you. Technically, it counts. Yeah. yeah right? So I, I I hate that notion. So. You know, keep in mind I'm defending it as somebody who would not defend it if it pissed me off. <laughs> um, so like, it's not like I'm okay with the jump scares that he had. That wasn't that bad, but I mean, like, I felt as though that um, let's go wait. I felt like so like I wanted more Pennywise talking, and we kind of. I think got that's valid. He he was very interesting when he did talk. You're right. Um, I personally thought he had enough talk to be uh engaging without it being like okay pennywise we get it you're scary he's like in the miniseries he did talk a lot i mean you also had tim curry for the miniseries yeah and he was well i also think that he, curry's attitude was the highlight like i don't think that the actual movie was all that good i think they did the whole like oh yeah look it's their fears but like 
I, I don't know, man. Like, when the, when the kids' fears pop up in the new one, it's like, holy shit, this is... Whew, this is eerie. That painting really don't sit right with me, you know? Yeah, right. But... But, like, when fucking Seth Green is getting chased by a shitty werewolf in the school basement, I'm like, eh, it's not really doing anything for me. Like, it, you don't get the feeling that the kids are in danger, in my opinion. It's like he's just trying to, like, creep them out without actually, like, scaring. I, it, it, it doesn't feel consequential, I guess. Oh, yeah, I get that. Um, I had this distinct feeling watching the new version that it didn't even scare me. Maybe it's just because I'm jaded from so many horror movies, but it felt more surreal than scary. Well, I think that's that's a valid point that I agree with. And also, I would argue that's probably what they were going for, because it's a very supernatural story instead of it being like, like, oh my god, like, like, Friday the 13th has supernatural elements, right? Like, you know, he's, like, unkillable, and he's, like, immortal. But, like, really, the horror is coming from the fact that this dude might show up around the corner and chop your face off. You know, in It, the whole thing is, like, it's surreal. Like, why is that painting coming alive and eating my face? Kind of surreal. To be honest, I actually thought Pennywise was kind of, kind of funny in this movie. In an unsettling way, though. They really nailed the whole clown thing. He... Like, like a... The part a that really made me laugh between was like, a villain and a clown. Yeah, like he was like a likable villain, which is always nice to see. Not he was just like a senseless killing machine, which he could have been. Right, I, he was a motivated like monster of a villain, and yet you still felt these kids were in danger, but you didn't really care. It was more. It wasn't like oh god, kids kill the monster. It's like ooh, what the hell is gonna happen here? He's fucked up. Yeah, Did anyone no. else get the vibe that the kids were not intimidated by him outside of the scenes? They directly said it. I mean, you have the kid from Stranger I don't know, man. They were. Name, I forget. He was like 110% dick jokes the entire movie. Yeah, but the thing is, I, I personally got ever the subject came up. Yeah, they were horrified, but like they were they were trying to just live their lives. And like, remember when he's like at the arcade and, um. And uh, that, his name, that was Richie, right? Well, they the, actually the character's had, name. Um, I forget. It's been a bit. Well, in, in any event, you know. And then um, uh, Bill comes in and he's like, you know, you have to help us. And he's like, come on, man, I just want to practice Street Fighter. Come on. And you can get the feeling he's trying to like just brush it off, but he's like, come on, man, please don't bring this up. Like, the, I've, I've been trying to just live my life and forget about it. And that's the vibe, you know, that's the example I'm using, but I feel like the whole movie had that kind of vibe where, like, they were trying not to acknowledge the fact that some supernatural force was literally haunting them so that okay. they could just be children. Oh, I have to say, actually, like, the scariest part for me was the dad for the girl. And I think that's the other interesting thing is that the original story does this as well, but, um, you know, they blend the fact that it's real-world horrors like an abusive father a mother who turns her son into a hypochondriac you know those are real Mm. horrors mixed with the fact that you know they become prey for this you know murder beast and I think that's one of the things that I find so interesting about the story um but uh and and I think that's actually you know another thing not only are they trying to live their lives and you know ignore the haunting but also like they have bigger things to deal with when Pennywise isn't around. 
Yeah, and also, apparently, um, he shows up when anything, like, bad happens in their lives. Which makes right. sense. Yeah, for the new adaptation, I... There's part of me that thinks that, that they compartmentalize things a bit too much. Okay. Where it's like Pennywise is intruding on their lives. Whereas in the miniseries, there's a part of me that... I don't know, maybe I'm giving it too much credit. But there's a part of me that thinks that it was all intermingled together. The way the parents were deliberately abstaining from giving the children information that would, I don't know, possibly allude to them knowing what's happening in Derry. One thing I will say is it did seem, at least compared to the book, if not also the TV series, it, it did kind of seem like they were ignoring the fact that like the whole town knows it's haunted, but nobody says anything. That's like a that's a big well, part of the book. At the same time, the parents couldn't see all the blood, so maybe they no, but like didn't actually they don't acknowledge in the uh, in the book. One of the big things is that like you know from the parents to the librarians to the police, everybody knows that something weird is happening in the town, and yet nobody really acknowledges it. But they okay. don't really touch on that a ton in the movie. Um. You know, it's 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 kind of tough. It, it depends on how you want to look at it, but I, I think they could have done a better job with that. But the movie didn't suffer a great deal, in my opinion, because of it. No, that wasn't a weak link in the movie. It exactly, it's just like a thing you can factually notice. Um, now, to to tell you what I hate, 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 hate about the the miniseries, they literally butchered the characters. Like the whole point is that. Um, uh, you know, some of these characters are a certain way as adults. That that's you know a big thing to them going back to Derry and fighting it. Um, and for example, I I'm blanking on some names, but the uh, the fat kid who grows up to be the architect mm -hmm. in in the book they explicitly show that he goes to a bar and. He's a regular there, and no matter where he is, he could be working in literally in Europe, Asia, whatever. He always flies back to his small Midwestern town to have a drink at the end of the week. And he's always really good to his bartender and everything, so he develops a friendship with him. And everyone in town thinks he's gay because he's never with a woman, but he's, like, utterly successful. And, you know, what kind, he could have any woman he wants. But, you know, he just chooses to be alone. And obviously, you know, disclaimer, I... That I'm just conveying the story. I have nothing against people being gay and single or whatever. But, mm -hmm. you know, in the book, it's, hey, like, what's wrong with this guy? He's single and, you know, it was a different time. It was the 80s. Um, so. Everyone had long hair back then. Exactly. It was, it was weird. It was a very confusing time. Guys wore makeup in bands. It, you know, who, who knew? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so they did this whole thing with him being like, he's a really chill dude. He just goes, has a couple beers. And then when he gets the call that he has to go back to Derry, he goes in, orders a literal pint glass of hard liquor and downs the whole thing and doesn't get drunk. That's how sobering this confrontation is going to be for him. Well, doesn't in, one of them kill themselves? Yes, that is Stanley, the Jewish, uh, the, oh, the, he's the, the rabbi, okay. the Jewish rabbi's son. Yep. Um, now, here's where I get pissed. Guess what they did in the, the, the miniseries? They introduced... Um, that's it. It was Ben Hanscomb, the architect. They introduce his fucking character by having him get out of a limo, 
with some architecture award he just won, chugging hard liquor from the bottle with two prostitutes. Sounds like him. That is the literal opposite of what he was written as in the book. Like, <laughs> as an adult, he's supposed to be just a normal, like, chill, successful dude. Doesn't really, like, you know, bother himself with romance and romantic partners. He's not an alcoholic. He has a couple beers here and there, which is why it's so shocking when he does go to his bartender and go like, all right, liquor me up. I'm, I'm done. I got bad news today. And they did this with. No, go ahead. Part of me thinks they were trying to condense that entire sequence down into just the reveal and it failed miserably. Exactly. And I think it could have been done like the whole scene, you know, maybe last what? Maybe like five, ten minutes if I had to guess off the top of my head. They could have literally just had him go into a bar and just used a little bit of exposition and it would have gone quicker, better. Just have the, the bartender, Ricky, be like, hey, Ben, like. I haven't seen you here in like, you know, in a week or so. You've been working in Europe and you're like, yeah, yeah. Do you want your usual two beers? Like, oh, no, give me this. And like, just totally exposition it. And maybe it'll be a little more cryptic, but it'll be faithful and not like, oh, this is literally wrong. Well, um, you have to remember, like back in the day, like Stephen King movies didn't really have a good time. Like. Uh, I think the most successful thing he did, well, movie adaptation was The Shining, and he actually right. hated that. He thought it was like a really horrible like adaptation of the book. Oh, I didn't yeah. know he hated it. Yeah, he actually yeah, made a mini TV like, series. Um, what's that called? The Mist, where he actually preferred the original film cut to that so much that he wanted to steal the ending, where everybody's oh. in the car and they only have enough bullets for all but one of them. Right. And, oh, that's not the original uh, ending. No, that's not the book ending. Okay. Like originally, it just goes straight to the military rolling through, if I'm not mistaken. And basically, okay. everything in the store amounts to nothing. But they got out. Yeah, I think it's only recently that like he's been getting like really good movies coming out, and like. Yeah, wasn't Misery supposed to be pretty good though? I don't think I, I don't. I haven't seen that one actually. The book, or the movie. Uh, cause um, I I've heard. I think pretty good things about the uh, the movie adaptation. I don't remember Stephen King's reaction to it, but it seemed pretty solid if memory serves. It's right. been years. I mean, Kathy Bates did an incredible job. Definitely. But, um, but yeah, so I mean, that's my only issue is that, like, the TV movie just wasn't, I mean, very good. And, and you know, when they have the showdown with it in the, uh, in the sewers, it just feels... Bleh. Like, there's no real danger. The 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 one thing they did do was Henry Bowers, the 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 psycho bully with the knife. He was very good in the TV series. Everyone else was just kind of like there, and the kids were well acted. the The issue is just that, like, you know, even Tim Curry couldn't save the fact that Pennywise just didn't seem very dangerous until the end. Yeah. And so then he was played at the clown angle so hard that you didn't really get as much of a monster side from him until right. those dramatic sequences. See, I was watching Eric someone else reviewing. He said that was actually a good point because they wanted the clown to be a clown, not be a monster. Right. So, like, I can see why. I don't know, but I, th I think he seems like clown in the new one while still being creepy. Like, he's clearly influencing these these horrible things that are happening to these kids but when he sees them he's all oh you want a balloon <laughs> don't play with your old younger brother 
Yeah, exactly. And like, I, I, I personally, you know, whether this was uh, King's original vision or not, I don't know. But I really like what they did with like the scenes in the new one, where, you know, Pennywise will just open his maw of a mouth. And ju- it'll be like three rows of teeth. Oh yeah! And then he'll go back to looking like a normal clown. Like I loved that. I thought that was so well done. He's, it's back to the surrealism part of it. It feels like the entire thing could just morph into another sequence at any given time, as long as Pennywise involved. There's exactly, an and it keeps that, you. It keeps you guessing. Yeah, there's the argument to be said that that was based on the overuse of CGI. There's also the argument to be said that it's just a perpetual fear state for the children and yeah. how this is told through their perspective. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think um, I think it was really well balanced out. And, you know, you didn't lose the idea of him being like, is he just a clown? Is he this? Is he that? And, you know, they do a way better elements of like the other fear um, triggers like the the painting and you know the the sink the bathroom and whatnot. Um, he did a really good job with those, and I don't know Pennywise was just way more engaging because of it. Like when when Georgie gets dragged away in the TV movie, it's like all right, wow, creepy, ooh, spooky. When he gets his arm ripped off in the new one, that's horror. Like it's you know it wasn't surprising. You knew like this clown is gonna kill this little boy. There's no fucking doubt about it. But when it happens, it's like, oh my fucking god! And that I think that's the strength of this movie is it's not shock, you know, it's it's not horror porn, it's not like gore porn, it's not shock value, it's Which just I, literally well crafted. I'm very happy it wasn't gore porn because like that's my. Me too. I hate the, that trend of horror movies. I like horror movies like that, but I'm sick of it being the only thing people were doing for the like mid 2000s. You know, we can, can we blame, blame Saw for that. Yeah, I was about to say we should blame yeah, Saw for I, that one. And it sucks because I, you know, I enjoyed the idea of the Saw series. It's just like I enjoyed as much as three eighths of the Saw series. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were so many of them. It just felt unnecessary and like. Uh, I don't know. Like gore porn is, it, gore has its place. You know, we we play play violent video games. We enjoy things that are like shocking and stuff like that. It doesn't make us like a violent person or anything. You know, I obviously as a, a player of violent video games, I'm likely to defend violent media. <laughs> but like, there's a time and a place for horror to be like, oh look, some guy got splattered. Yeah, I think there's a part of all of us that enjoys seeing Robert England turn Johnny Depp into a bloody cyclone, a gornado, if you will. Exactly. Like, there's just, you can't beat that as a specific form of primal human entertainment. Yeah, that being like, said, you know, there's something, I, I, I like subtlety as well. You know, for as much as I'll go to bat for all the blood and gore you can fit on a screen, I'm also one to say, like, you know, instead of Georgie just getting, like, his head exploded with a fucking, like, Pennywise balloon grenade. Like, yeah, that would have technically been hard, but it's way more effective having him, like, lure him in quietly and then, like, by the way, I have teeth. Rip your arm off. And then he just pulls him into the sewer and he's gone. Like, it's a brief moment of subtle gore and it's done. Because I feel like it kind of gives off that Predator Hunter vibe to it where you, like, yes. you come into the trap and, like, you think you're safe, and then bam. Absolutely. I can't remember the name of the movie. It came out within the last five years. Um, Sinister, I want to say. 
where I may be thinking of the wrong movie, but the entire thing is based around uh, I blanking on the character's name entirely. Uh, Hawk. uh, Oh, I'm I'm IMDBing this. Yeah, I think it was. uh, I'll get the names wrong. The character. It was Ethan Hawke's character. uh, Ethan Hawke. Okay. Yeah, Ellison Oswald. Yeah, the entire time. It had very little horror, but it went incredibly hard on the suspense and the tension. That's the thing. And Sometimes the, the implication can be enough. Yeah, it just feels like the movie's winding you up for an hour and 20 minutes until it gets to that last sequence. And then everything's fully realized. All the information's out there. This is the one with the box over. of serial killer tapes, right? Yes. Yes, I really want to see that. Um, I would not recommend yeah. the sequel, but the first one's killer. That's pretty much what I hear. Uh, And like, yeah, dude, I can't tell you how many times, right? I'll I'll be on like, you name it. Like, I'll be reading like a strategy guide or like, you know, a TV tropes article or something of that nature. And I'll read about like a particularly gruesome moment in a game, right? Reading about it sounds so horrifying because of implication. You'll see it and it'll be like, oh, yeah, that's like, it's gore. Okay. Like, but sometimes like, that's why the, um... You guys ever played uh, the old uh, Mac Venture point and clicks like Deja Vu and Shadowgate and Uninvited? Nah, I never played those. They're... I think I played. Um, just dropped out of my head. Alone in the Dark, but that was the only one. That was the Resident Evil style game. I'm talking about like the old, like it was on like the Mac 2 or something, like the black and white. Oh, then I have um, my element then. No, nope, okay. They're, they're great games. I They're really worth checking out. And the thing is, the game is graphically displayed in like how do I put this like stills so like you'll be on a screen and then you'll move right and it'll just like eclipse the screen and then bring a new one into focus and then you'll be in that room what whatever that means if there's like you know in deja vu it's a, a detective story you'll be walking around uh Illinois and like sometimes you'll move in uh in a direction that should go to like like the newsstand right but so instead of like a text adventure yeah exactly instead there might be a mugger there he's not he's just a mugger like that's not anything particularly horrifying in a video game but it scares you because of the thing that like there, there's there's no warning like there's no build up it's just oh I walk here and oh it's a mugger and when bad things happen in that game they're all described through text so when a mugger like you know if you kill the mugger right and you go to jail for it it sounds way more scary because of the way that they're describing it. And that's why I think horror movies that do suspense can be way better because of that kind of principle. You know what I mean? I'm relating it to video games, but you don't just go, hey, here's a lot of gore. It's like, well, what happened to Georgie after he got dragged into the sewer? Yeah, there's the show don't tell. There's the use the audience's imagination more than your special effects department. Right. And they did a blend, you know. That's what I liked about it. They showed Pennywise's gaping wall of teeth. He rips Georgie's arm off and then drags him into the sewer. So you get like a taste. It's like, well, if he'll do that, what else is he going to do to him? You know what I mean? And it's, 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 I think it's infinitely more effective. So, um, I was listening to a review and the guy brought a point that he thought that the movie would have been better if they use, we were more subtle with the music. So he thought that the music went, they went a little ham on the music, and if it was like more of like a suspense, like you just hear claw, like hand scraping on the door, 
it would be more effective. See, I I don't have a strong opinion on that. I I didn't notice that it was like a lot of fucking music, you know. But at the same time, like it, it maybe they're right. I, I don't have a strong opinion on that personally. But I it, it's a good thought, and I I intend to rewatch it very soon. The only reason I have it is because it's not out on Blu-ray yet. No, yeah, <laughs> you know, when, like, when it comes out, I'm watching it again. Yeah, so I I will absolutely get back to you boys on that when I when I rewatch it. But it was definitely a nice I mean, surprise. Yeah, it, oh, such it a was good the movie. most Stephen King feeling movie I've seen in a long time. I I mistakenly got my hopes up for the Dark Tower, and <laughs> I, I heard disappointing things. Yeah, I want to see that too, but then just, also oh, I could go off on that one. Just I'll try not to. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was not the biggest fan of the Dark Tower books. I thought they were some of Stephen King's best, but they weren't my favorites. That said, compared to the books, it's just a tragedy. And I don't mean that. Right. I want a depressing story. I mean, I'm pretty no, sure it was just bad. go to death. Like, <laughs> it was in the morgue at that point. Which is really sad because, like, the trailers look good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, depending <laughs> on who you talk to among Stephen King fans, it's basically his War of the Rings. Like, it is a, it has a built-up legacy that nothing else can match in his catalog. That's an interesting way to put it, because I've, I've never, you know, read it or anything, but, like, that I, I could see that being the case. Like, it is his biggest, most thoroughly crafted science fiction fantasy world. Like, right. even where he puts details peppered throughout all of his other stories to keep you in the idea that this is a Stephen King fiction... Dark Tower was his, period. There was nothing of our world to it until things just... It only came to our world as a visitor. It wasn't a part of our world. Right. I describe it. I, um... I oh. saw a couple theories about, like, what the kids are using to fight Pennywise, like, why they have the gifts that they do. Uh... And I've seen it's really cool noticing references to other Stephen King stuff um, in his media. It supposedly might all take place in a similar multiverse or universe, rather not multiverse. Uh, but like you know, it's it's interesting to see that that potential crossover. I'm trying really hard not to make a Dream Warriors reference right now. <laughs> yeah, maybe I just want to sing Dawkin. Who knows? I was gonna say why 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 you uh, why you knocking on Dawkin, bro? I'd be rocking with Dawkin. Come on. I mean, did you see the uh, special features for when they were working with Robert England on that movie? I think I did see that, actually. Yeah. You know, I'm going to throw out the PG-13 for a bit. There was a point where (laughs) Dawkin was snorting coke off of Freddy Krueger's claws. What? What? (laughs) Oh, my God. If that is not the most metal Dawkin is ever okay, been, let, let me clarify. I, I didn't. I didn't necessarily mean let's keep it PG thirteen. I just don't really want to talk about that scene in the book. Yeah, no, it's a little I, sensitive. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, snorting coke yeah, off Robert England's Freddy Claus totally fine. Hundred yeah. okay. Oh man, yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited. Actually, uh, I'm gonna look something up real quick. Um. Let's see. I sincerely hope that it's real and I didn't imagine it because that is one of the biggest reasons <laughs> I love Dawkin. Wait, so was this an extra you said, or I forget if it was a documentary afterwards or an extra on the DVD, but it was something like that. Hey, yeah. 
Let's see. It comes out. Oh, you know what? Look up uh, Razor Fist Dokken. It should be in there. Like he did an entire uh, anthology of the band. Including oh, okay. Their work with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Let's see. I'm trying to find a release date for it. The next part comes out in 2019, I believe, right? Yeah. Also, I think it was really interesting that they, they made it on the 27th anniversary, or they released it like 27 years after the first one. They <clears> had <throat> one chance to get the anniversary timing perfect, and they took it. You, you, you gotta. like. Also, apparently um, it went through like kind of like developer hell for a bit, where it went through different directors. I might be wrong. Yeah, yeah, and they just like took the opportunity. Let's just delay it like a little longer. Yeah. At this point, yeah, because I didn't really hear much about it personally until it was like almost ready to come out. But I also don't follow movie development, so other people might be. We we should ask Matt um, about it because he probably heard about when they were making it. Also, um, this the, this is a, a good thing to to do it to be continued. Um, they are rebooting Spawn. Oh, I heard about that. And from what I heard, they're aware that the first one was garbage. They're bringing McFarlane on to do it. And he's actually like, you know, creative director or whatever. He's actually going to make the the Spawn movie this time instead of just funding it. And it's going to be like R-rated. It's going to be like insane. And I'm fucking pumped. Were you ever into uh, Ice Earth? The band, vaguely yes. They had an entire. I, I enjoy them. I need to listen to them more. Oh, that's right. Which one was that? Um, uh, the Dark Saga, or was it Dark Saga? Yes. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Oh my god! It, it says McFarlane likes the album. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. It was like, I love that album. That really got me to Spawn. I watched the movie when I was younger. I was like, yeah, this is good. That's Before right. I'm... The cover art is literally Spawn. Like, yeah. <laughs> They played like they got me really to spawn, so I played the Xbox game, which was actually like trash. Wait, which one? Oh, Spawn had like an Xbox game. I forget what it's called. Wait, wait. Um, I can't think of the name. Armageddon. That might have been it. You did not like Spawn Armageddon. Um, not really. <laughs> Get the, what the fuck is wrong with it? It was so good. You could just walk up to people and just pepper them with like pistol rounds and then axe them in the face and then chain up to a building like it was awesome like if I remember correctly like it's been a while it kind of reminded me of a lot of Devil yeah. May Cry yeah it, it was that style yeah I like, mean, from what I'm seeing like Metacritic and shit it's got like an, like a three star average out of five like yeah. mediocre but like I, I liked it a lot but I, you know with, with this kind of stuff and I know obviously we're, we're Spawn fans but like it helps that we're Spawn fans like, I'm sure if you're not into Spawn, it could be a little bit of a disappointing game. Mm-hmm. But playing as Spawn and ripping shit up is kind of half the fun. So, um, apparently in the comic books, he becomes, like, God. Like, he kills God and saves. Yeah, he, he, becomes- ascends to the, he ascends to the mantle of God, and he ends up turning it down to return to vigilantism. What the fuck? Dude, okay, can I just say this is why I don't read comic books? <laughs> yeah. I seriously, seriously, I feel like the stakes always get too high. Like... Why should I care about the story? Like, okay, Spider-Man, I like as a character because it's like, you know, he is vulnerable. He has family and friends that are vulnerable. He 
is fighting villains. They're strong and they're interesting. They have powers, like, but they're not God. But then, like, you fucking you see this shit, like, like in other comics, right? Especially, it's a big Marvel thing, like. Thanos can destroy the multiverse with the Infinity Stones, and it's like, why do I care? Like, if he wipes everything out, there's going to be no one around to care. <laughs> yeah, Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. I mean, Does he? something of that scale is basically played as a joke at this point. No, no, that I'm fine with, because it's obviously supposed to be stupid, but, like, people get really into these comics, and I don't blame them. I'm not saying they're idiots or anything, but I could never do it, because... You know, I get invested in the heroes and stuff. I've always liked Batman. I've always liked Spider-Man. For those reasons, you know, they're vulnerable. They're not perfect. But, like, when when you're literally trying to stop somebody from destroying all life in the universe, why do I care? Dude, <laughs> um... You're losing me. What's that? Uh, Dragon Ball Z is in that situation right now where they're, like, power fest on everything. Yeah, Even DBZ, I give, I give Dragon Ball Z... Uh, leeway too because again somebody out there is probably going to crucify me for being wrong but I'm pretty sure it started as a parody no I think if Dragon Ball Z Akira Toriyama off, was uh, it was written by Akira Toriyama and he's yes. primarily a gag writer so he treated his right. comedy than a legitimate action adventure yeah I yeah. think didn't Dragon Ball is more serious if I remember correctly but like once he got to Z I never read or watched Dragon Ball, so I could be really wrong on that. But, well, like, Z and Up were supposed to be, like, a joke on, like, the anime at the time that were like, oh, my power level is this. Yeah, well, mine's going to be this now, and you've got to top it. Around, and I see this as somebody who's been watching it ever since we first got, uh, what is it, Funimation? Two, or two novels. Yeah, yeah. Like, back when they first came out, and I was a lot younger. Hey, stop right. breaking my wall. Dragon Ball was an inessential starting point because the way the adventure was not always power scaling, it was a matter of sometimes technique, it was a matter of I'm not going to say it was a, like a monster of the week like Star Trek, but the thing is there wasn't this perpetual grind up from like an interstellar threat to an intergalactic threat to an interuniversal well, threat. And that, that's why I think it's a, a better, a, a more, a story you can take more seriously. Yes, it's lighthearted well, in a like, lot of times, but like, it's not ridiculous. You know, like I said, DBZ, I think the whole point was doing it on purpose and it just happened to grip people. Well, but, how about, right, like right now we're in, we're in super where like, yeah, they have a new transformation every other episode. It's like, we don't need a train like, or, original dra- original Dragon Ball where the day was saved by a bipedal pig wishing for a pair of panties. Yes. Right. I miss those days. Exactly. Well, because when the state, like, I don't know, I just, I feel like when the stakes in any story are too high, I mean, cosmically high, like, not so high that, like, oh, you know, you're risking your life, because that's the ultimate price most people realistically think they can pay, depending on your beliefs. You know, when you're on the point where it's like the universe will be destroyed or like the even even sometimes, dude, the planet being destroyed, that works in sci fi when there's interplanetary travel. But, you know, so a planet being destroyed is like a country being destroyed at that point. Mm -hmm. But when you have like universe threats, God threats, I like stories where a God is not all powerful. They're just very strong. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. God, like to me, in, in a good story means not infallible just really really strong oh so like i hate to bring me up again uh but um i've been like you know me i've been like really into divinity recently yeah yeah 
and the gods in that game are just like uh, beings from like an earlier era that just got really strong. That, that's what I mean. That's awesome. Like the idea of that is really fucking cool to me. And the whole point of the game is to kill your own gods and become the next god. Yeah. It may just be me making a connection where there isn't one but that seems to be a rising trend with rpgs of late like that was yeah also no it is dragon age inquisition that, where- that's something that's bothering me about rpgs and like a lot of games like that is people are going the whole like divinity not not the series divinity but like literal being divine and like i don't know i feel like again it's just it it ups the ante too quick in a lot of stories mm. yeah when it comes in like i don't know a good way down the franchise's line. I understand it, especially if the franchise deals with religious elements. But if it's just power scaling the same way you would see in like Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball Super, it feels deflating. Right. Like, the stakes are only so high. How are you going to rationalize what else happens in the story? Yeah, exactly. Like, and the the thing is, you can't scale it back from there. You know? Oh, you've already set the precedent. I would much rather before a series, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of this, before a series gets so out of control that you have to just hit the nuke button, just end it. So like, and start another series. Like, I'm fine with that. There's a show I want to bring up. Um, I used to watch be a big fan of a show called Saint Seiya, and they have a show. Okay, I've heard of it. It's really good. It's like actually older than Dragon Ball Z. And oh yeah, no, Saint Seiya is a, a very like old guard anime. Yeah, and like it has the same problem as um, Dragon Ball where. Oh, actually, no, it has the same problem as Berserk, where the director, like, the guy who actually makes it, only comes out with, like, one chapter every six months. Right. So they have, like, a thousand OVAs coming out at all times. Game um, of Thrones with it getting spinoffs rather than direct follow-ups because George R. R. Martin has written more material, but D&D still want to make more. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean- um, the problem with this show was that they had a spinoff called Omega, where they literally kill the god that made the universe. <clears throat> and then the very next, in season two, I'm like, wow, how do you go past this? They fight Mars, like the god of war. And his lackey kicks the crap out of the guy who killed the god of war. I'm like, um... No, how, just how, no. How, how, but how? <laughs> and, and this is why, like, I, I, we're, I think we're running out of time, so I'm, I'm going to end my comments on this note. This is why, as an artist you know i play music i don't draw or anything but i never wanted to go into an artistic field of work because i never wanted to feel like wow i this has run its course but i could keep making money if i keep doing it yeah i would never want to be in that position yeah dude i mean i'm not published but i have several charts about the progression for the stuff i'm writing Mm -hmm. and the idea of it being played out is just like I ran out of paper and that's the only way. Yeah. Uh, And and like, I'm sure, you know, you would feel very conflicted about like, Hey, your publisher's telling you, you can make a ton more money off this, but you got to like throw together three books. You don't want to. Yeah. Like, but sales. Exactly. uh, Just before I lose my train of thought, while we're talking about the idea of these different threats, I want to, it's my least favorite mass effect. uh, Not app. Well, after Andromeda, but the <laughs> <laughs> franchise has some really low points. Anyway, the thing I want to steal is from Morden Solis, who is my favorite character in Mass Effect 2. 
where he's talking about how he doesn't imagine things in terms of the galaxy being in peril or the universe being in danger or saving the entirety of organic life. He thinks about saving his favorite nephew because he needs to keep this on a, for lack of a better word, humanized scale. Something right. that's comprehensible and not just over the top for the sake of being over the top. So they kind of take that trope and subvert it. Yeah, I mean, you literally That's have cool. elder machine gods that harvest entire civilizations on their own time versus just this Clint Eastwood-styled Solarian slash Jeff Goldblum Jurassic Park doctor. And he's just bringing the scale of the threat down to one person he wants to protect. Right. I think that's interesting because they go out of their way to subvert that. And uh, I think that, like, it's really interesting. I, I need to play Mass Effect. God damn it. So, like, I recommend I, the I, first game, No Holds Barred. The rest of the franchise, you're on your own. Dude, yeah. I was so into Mass Effect 2. I was really into Mass Effect 1. I got 2. I got the DLC. And then, like, the game bugged, and I didn't get my DLC uh, content. I was like, well, fuck this game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, two things before we disband. Number one theory is that it is coming out before the holidays cool. on, on blu-ray uh makes sense two oh, oh and it's gonna have uh it's gonna have a 15 minute director's cut like longer um okay uh for, for quote for hardcore fans with an extended quote very funny scene of the losers club trying to hype themselves up to jump off the cliff okay um and second of all one of the screenshots i just noticed the two movies in the theater outside in Derry are Batman and Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> oh, there was another one, too. There was, like, uh... Oh, crap. What movie was it? Um, there was, like, another, like, uh, homage to a different movie in there. I forget which one it was, though. That's uh, awesome. But they're like, yeah, we know it's kind of cheesy, so we're just going to throw this reference in there. Right. <laughs> Alright, well, I am going to cut my stream. I think that's all the time we have. Do you want to Do you want to play us out, Eric? Um, yeah, well... Uh, I think this is a really good first show we've had. Um, I had fun, man. I'll be yeah. sure to drag you down again on a regular basis. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> With your puns. <laughs> oh, by the way, Chris. Uh, I'm telling you, we're not doing who's on first. Yeah. Oh, come on. If you're going to bring Marvel in here, you have to know you're going to wait. Awaken the Punisher and also the Mumbler. <laughs> this guy over here is like the god of puns. God. Like it, it, you must be ready for punishment. <laughs> bye, on. bye, <laughs> and ending stream. No, get me out.